Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Our sermon series on creation care continues. Today, we'll learn about the foundations of the brand new ministry that will oversee the land that used to be the golf course at Ko'olau. You'll also find out the name of this brand new ministry. Here with all of that is First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun. This is the last of our series on the story of more, more love for God and for His creation, which leads us to this question. Why did God give us our little church to recently have access to 246 acres of adjacent land to our main building? It might be the largest acreage any one local church might own. And I say this not to boast, but to underline a huge responsibility and stewardship before us. It is daunting, at times scary, to think that the Almighty God looked down on earth and said, yep, that church, that church. I want them to steward this land and with this land tell people of my love and that I am the creator behind all creation care. Make disciples there and right there, tell the people of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and all that I've commanded. Yes, I want them all to do that. Yeah, us. Daunting, huh? Like the old hymn, this is my father's world. The lyrics point to his hand in creation as we sing, this is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand, the wonders wrought. I believe the Lord has mighty plans for us and God is hoping, beckoning, stirring people's hearts that they might respond to this huge calling He's hoping they will hear it and respond. And maybe one of you viewers today from somewhere out there will step forward and say, I want to help. I just learned last week that in the last eight months, people from all over the United States, as well as from 37 countries, have watched our online worship services. From Europe, the Middle East, South America, and Africa, and Guam is in our top five with the UK and Netherlands and Canada and Finland. Aloha to everybody. Today's sermon is very important. And if you like vision and mission, this is it. So get ready to take notes, as I hope you normally do. Or did you know that all of our sermons you can read, hear, or see on our website? This talk will detail how our property is part, not, not the only, but part of a huge strategy to encourage people to love God, love other people, and to serve the community in Jesus' name. This morning, I'm going to talk about what is really the bottom line for our new church ministry involving the 246 acres. Some businesses have one main bottom line, make money. Nothing wrong with that, gotta live, gotta put bread on the table. But our church will have a quintuple bottom line as far as our property and ministries go. So this morning, we'll talk about three things. First, the quintuple bottom line, and I'll explain that all, and uh, what do they mean in terms of future ministry at our church. Second, a new name. I want to unveil the new name for our ministry, not for the land, but the ministry on the land that will hopefully capture what God has in mind for our church. And then third, the biblical basis. 
I'm going to talk about the biblical basis for, for, for all of this by using one key well-known verse from the Bible. So buckle up your seat belts as this rocket is about to launch. First, the quintuple bottom line. Here are the five guiding principles. We begin with, and notice they're all action verbs, with glorify God. Everything we do at our church, I pray, will always honor God and glorify the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want everything we do be led by the Holy Spirit and empowered by Him. We want every act, every plant, every program, every ministry to point to God. He is our purpose for living. He is the one we worship. May our land and what we do with it give glory to God. He is the one with whom we want others to have an intimate relationship. As we said when we put the time capsule um, in, in the rock wall opposite our Ko'olau Sanctuary, we, we said we want our children to come back in 25 years or 50 years and ask one question. Is it still all about Jesus? We're not just a do-gooder organization. We're not just another environmental group. We're not just another social justice group. All that we do, we do in Jesus' name. And we want to always give glory to God. The second bottom line for our ministry, serve the community. When the golf club left, we realized that we wanted the future of our land to be more open to all people and not just to a specific social stratus who like to play golf. We wanted it to serve the entire community. Maybe people who might be disadvantaged in some way. We wanted keiki and young and older adults to be involved. It might mean they could join us working the land or just jogging or walking or biking. Third, practice environmental stewardship. We want to be environmentally responsible and promote that responsibility. We want to work with the state of Hawaii in its sustainability and regenerative goals. And maybe we will have, maybe someday, farming or more solar panels. Maybe Honey's becomes a farm-to-table restaurant. Maybe we have boxes of fruit and vegetables for the community on a Sunday. Maybe we work with other farmers. I personally would love to see taro fields where we would be in the water growing and harvesting taro in community. Bottom line, whatever the State Department of Land and Natural Resources um, would allow us to do, we want to partner with them. Fourth, learn from the Hawaiian culture. We want to understand and promote Hawaiian culture as it relates to the land. We want to learn about the history of the land. We want to learn about indigenous plants and animals. It would be a good place if we could be a place where we learn Hawaiian ways. To just use one example, that it would be wonderful if we could grow taro and learn how to pound it into pa'iai and then add water to make poi and learn how to make uh, pohaku uh, kui'ai or poi pounders and then uh, the papa uh, kui'ai, uh, the boards to make them uh, like um, the one in my office. And more importantly, to see how that can be an intergenerational ohana time of fellowship harvesting the taro together, or as it's called in Hawaiian kalo, in the, in the deep water and then cooking it and pounding it and eating it together. And maybe we could sell it. Pastor Dan's poi, ko'olau kalo, 
Pastor Tim's towel. All right. The fifth bottom line is be financially responsible. And, and like any operations, we need to cover our costs, whether through leases or selling of goods or receiving grants or personal donations. We need to be financially responsible so this will be an enhancement to our church ministry and not a drain. So there it is, the quintuple bottom line. Glorify God, serve the community, practice environmental stewardship, learn from the Hawaiian culture, be fi financially responsible. But what shall we call this ministry that covers this land? We don't want to keep referring it to our, pro our ministry over this property as First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu, which is really in Kaneohe at a place called Ko'olau, unless you like 14-word titles. Last Tuesday, the elders of our church voted unanimously in naming this new ministry. It is, well, maybe I should tell it to you next week. Nah, just joking. I'm going to tell it to you right now. It's, um, first, well, first some background. I told you in one of our bottom lines or one of our core values that we wanted to always learn from Hawaiian culture. It's not a one-off, but integrated in what we do. And we felt the ministry should have a Hawaiian name. But I didn't want um, so long a Hawaiian name that no one could remember nor know what it means. And there are many Hawaiian organizations that have beautiful names, um, but they are often so long with so many words that I can no longer remember what they stood for. So I wanted a name that was easy to remember and had at least one word that most people would know, like Pono or Ohana or Aloha, but not those words because that has been used in so many different ways. So, with the advice of the church long-range planning team that is composed of many community leaders who go to our church, they asked that our staff talk to some of the native Hawaiian leaders in Hawaii to make sure the name we came up with honored them and the land. I started with Kiha Pimental, a pastor with the Foursquare denomination, a Kamehameha graduate who went to Stanford. Kiha was mentored by Kahu Abraham Akaka, the late Kahu of Kawaiha'o Church, who is the father of church member Jeff Akaka and grandfather of our deacon, Melan Akaka Manfri. To make a long story short, we wanted to make sure the name would honor God. It was then that Kiha told me that in the Hawaiian Bible, while the word akua means God, the word haku, when capitalized, refers to the Lord. The haku prayer is the Lord's prayer, or in Hawaiian, it is kapule, prayer, a kahaku, Lord. You might know that word from the phrase we say often, hakule. While haku, when capitalized, means Lord, haku in lowercase letters means to create something like a lei. But haku also means to compose, invent, put in order, innovate, create. So like hakumele means to create or make a song. Hakuhulu means uh, feather and hakule uh, making. Hakule is a lei made out of feathers or flowers. Hakuhulu kahili means a kahili made or haku out of hulu or feathers. From, for those of you from other countries, a kahili is a huge symbol of the chiefs and families of the Hawaiian families, like a royal standard to indicate position or lineage. 
So, if haku means to create or invent or compose, why did the Hawaiians choose that for the word for Lord? For God is the best form of haku. He is the chief divine in inventor, composer, innovator, creator. And wouldn't we want our land to be place, be a place where we might honor kahaku, the creator, and might we want our place to be a place of innovation as we look at hydroponics, aquaponics, agritourism, animal grazing, solar panels, educational tours, fascinating seminars on the environment. All of that, in proper ways, could be used to point to Jesus, who referred to himself in the ways of nature, in the Gospel of John. He, he referred to himself as the vine. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches, and his father, the Lord, Kahaku, is the gardener. There it is. Haku is the gardener, the vine grower, the chief overseer, lord and owner of the land. Then Kiha told me that we could add a word to Haku, and that word could be Hia. Hia? What does that mean? Kiha said it means desire or delight. Put the two words together, and it is Hakuhia. Kiha said, it is God's delight that you all heard his voice to develop his land. You all heard his call. It was Hakuhia. God's desire and delight when you bought the land in 2006 and now it's coming more into fruition. And then Kiha said something that gave me a lump in my throat. He said, you all heard his call and you responded. And whether you are successful or not, he is delighted that you tried. You responded. You went forward in what you believe God was saying. Hakuhia, the Lord is delighted. And when I heard that word, Hakuhia, I knew that might be the word. But I wanted to make sure it wasn't all about me, so I took the name to the staff and the long-range planning team the Ko'olau Ballroom Board of Directors, the deacons and the elders, the ruling body of this church. Plus, we talked to about 13 Native Hawaiian leaders in the community, and they all liked it. Hakuhia. I found the word hakuhia easy to remember. It easily rolled off the tongue. Hakuhia. The alliteration was smooth and poetic, and it was deep with Christian meaning giving glory to the Lord, the true owner of the vineyard. The ministry on the land from here on will be called Hakuhia. While the land will not have that name, the ministry will. And soon we hope to make a, a non-profit uh, corporation with that name so we can receive grants and donations to have seed money for this important endeavor. But wait, there's more. In Hawaiian, there's a word that is makavalu, eight eyes. Maka meaning eye, valu from the word evalu, which means eight. Together, it means eight eyes. Often when Hawaiians look at life, they look at something of significance as if they have eight eyes, meaning looking at something from eight different angles or contexts or perspectives, eight different meanings. And this is in contrast to sometimes Western thinking, where sometimes we say this can only mean one thing. With hakuhia, there is makavalu. The Hawaiian word hia 
Besides meaning uh, delight or desire, it also means a shuttle, a, a needle for making nets, to bind, to make a network for nets. The makavalu of Hia is that Christ called us to be fishers of men and of women and keiki. The disciples were called while they were tending to their nets. When Jesus was resurrected, he told them how to catch fish. And don't we want Hakuhia to be a movement of networking to partner with people and groups in the community where God can guide us uh, in us how to do sustainability and ministry. Hakuhia. The Lord is delighted. It's his desire we are doing this. Now, in fact, if you put an okina in between the I and the A of hia, so it's hia, the word hia means the act of making fire. It makes me think of the power and passion of the Holy Spirit that came looking like tongues of fire on Pentecost. And, and the constant use of the word fire in the New Testament. John the, the baptizer said in the Gospel of Luke, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I, he's talking about Jesus, will come the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you, you ready for this, with the Holy Spirit and fire. In the book of Hebrews, in the Bible, it says in the first chapter of the angels, God says, he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. Many meanings. Makavalu. Looking at the word Hakuhia from eight different angles. Someday as we plant and harvest and someone will be with us in the water pulling out some taro and they will ask, so what does Hakuhia mean? And then you can say, it means the Lord is delighted that we today are taking care of the land together. It's about the Lord, Haku, the creator behind all of our creation care. He is our Haku and it is his delight and joy that you are here today, taking in his creation. And it is his desire that we are working together to take care of his land. And as I said earlier, that I hope that everything we do to, uh, points to Jesus. And Hakuhia is not some one-off ministry, but is a central part of our discipleship and evangelism and modeling what it means to be a follower of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It will be first prayers and Hakuhia at Ko'ola. For Hakuhia is a ministry, not a location. Now, right now, you might be thinking, golly, I have so many questions, or I want to learn more. Well, we just hired Kelly Miyamura to head up Hakuhia. Trained in urban planning and architect architecture, an educator recently coming from the University of Hawaii, Kelly will be leading a live Zoom Hakuhia town hall meeting, uh, which we'll also record if you can't make it, but it'll be Tuesday, February 23rd at 6 p.m. And then you can ask questions there if it's live, if you're there, but other times it will be, um, you can see it, the recorded version. So as we were doing our research on the word hakuhia, one of the Hawaiian kapunas uh, we interviewed mentioned to us why she is excited about our new name. She said, we are in a season, a time of hulihia. Now, you might be 
familiar with the phrase huli huli chicken, where chicken is, ro is cooked by rotating it upside down, sideways, round and round. Huli hia is an adjective which means this is a time when we feel that life is overturned. There's complete change. The world has turned kind of upside down. And boy, I think we all agree this last year has been huli hia. But then the kapuna said, Hakuhia means it is right to have a name that brings God into this time as the focus. For God can make the world upright and stable if we turn to him. Hakuhia. Now, I want to close with why we will do what we will do with the land by giving the biblical basis. What is one of the most famous verses in the Bible? Go ahead. Come on, think about this. No, it's not God helps those who help themselves, which is not in the Bible, but probably some false self-help guru brought it up. Because we can't truly help ourselves without God. No, the verse I'm talking about is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. For years, we have, in, we have always interpreted this verse as meaning um, it's only about people, or, or some people, only about Americans. Uh, it has nothing to do with a physical world. Uh, but in the Greek, uh, which the New Testament was written, the word for world is actually cosmos. You see, God so loved the cosmos the universe, the ordered whole, it never was to be only about people, as some, most people translate this verse, but the whole cosmic order, the heavens, the earth, the land, the creatures, and yes, the people. And the Gospel writer John, who wrote that famous verse, always saw Jesus in the context of creation of matter as well as people. For in his very first chapter, the Apostle John uh, talked about how through Jesus all things were made, all things in the, in the universe. He described Jesus as, remember, the Word. So using your makavalu, looking at something from many angles, John called Jesus Christ the Word as God spoke things into be being. So whatever he said or wrote came into being and it's through his words we would know how to live. His word was sacred. And in the ancient Middle East, as Bible commentator William Barclay would say, a word is not just a sound, but it's a power which does things. So what did John write about Jesus, who he called the word in the Gospel of John? First chapter, first verse. This is what he wrote. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. When John talks about the world, he is indeed talking about the cosmos. Notice John said all things, not all people, but all things were made through Jesus, and without him, nothing, nothing was made. For all things made were made by Jesus. 
And if Jesus made it, it is valuable. The land, the sea, the air, the creatures, and yes, the humans who were proclaimed very good. You see, it is this cosmos idea in the Old Testament that was so important that the ancient writers would often separate out the elements. Like in Psalm 89.11, it says, The heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all that is in it. You, Haku, have founded them. The Hebrew word um, uh, for heaven is uh, Shabayim, and the word uh, for earth is Eteris, uh, for land, and Tevel is the word for world, meaning cosmos. Notice, different words for heaven, earth, and the world. So what does it mean that God so loved the cosmos? Sometimes we might say, you know, we look at a product, and if it says on a label or on its bottom that it was made in a certain country, we might think, oh, it's not good. But the Christian insight is everything in the universe, in the cosmos, is made by God, and it's all good and valuable. And the earth is made by God, and everything it produces springs out of what God has made. All good. In essence, God so loves all of these things, so we should take care of it. But let me take this a step further as we prepare our hearts for the season of Lent coming up before Easter. John 3.16 points to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. So, pop quiz. How do we know that Jesus is the Messiah? It's because he rose from the dead. That is the proof we needed. That is the proof Doubting Thomas needed. Jesus actually rose from the dead. As we have sung the lyrics, death could not hold him. The veil tore before him. He silenced the boast of sin and grave, and the heavens are roaring the praise of his glory. He was resurrected on Easter. He really is God. He has no rival. He has no equal. Now and forever he reigns, as we have sung. But get this. Jesus came to us in a body, in the flesh. You know how we talk about the dish chili con carne? That means chili with meat or literally chili with flesh. That is the same word we get incarnation, carne. Jesus came to earth as Christ con carne, God with and in the flesh. Now this is important, so stay with me on this. God chose to come into a physical world in a physical body. Because the Bible said in our verse that God so loved the cosmos, he loves and created the physical. The entire cosmic universe with all of the rivers and mountains and animals. He loves the physical world that he crafted and created. He said it was all good. Anything God made is stamped on the bottom, made by God, and therefore is of the highest quality. It is good. Jesus came in a physical body. Why? To defeat death. He conquered death. Death lost its sting. Death is our enemy because of the killer virus called sin. And there's so many variants of this disease called sin. And the gospel, the good news, is about Jesus saving us from death due to sin. In his healings on earth, he did it as a momentary staying of death. But ultimately, he's calling his people to heaven so they will never experience death. 
He is our Messiah who has conquered death. The physical world and matter is really important to us. And he doesn't want his physical world to die either. What he, he said, it was good. He made it not so we can destroy it or pollute it, but to protect it and be a good steward. What does it say in a letter to Rome from the Apostle Paul? Paul succinctly, stunningly, puts it all together on how this creation should not die on our watch. He wrote in the Bible, in a letter to the Romans in the 8th chapter, he said, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning, groaning, groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. The creation has been groaning, waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God so it could be set free from its bondage to decay and receive the freedom of the glory of the children of God. But both people and creation have been looking forward to the hope that can only come from the one true Messiah and God's children who might step forward and stand in the gap and steward his world. Will you join the Father God, Kahaku, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in this mission where we want people to come to him and we want to serve and protect the land and the people who inhabit it that God made? For he is a God interested in his physical world. For God so loved the cosmos that he sent his Son that you and I might have eternal life. If you join him on this mission, know that you will know his desire and feel his delight, for it will then be Hakuhia. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for creating this world, the cosmos, the world in the cosmos and all things in it. And Lord, the more we hear about you, the more we read your Bible, we're learning you're far bigger than we ever dreamed. And sometimes we make our God too small but you're really big. And it's amazing at times we just ignore you and we don't want to submit our will to follow you. 
If there are people who have heard this word today and say, okay, I'm getting it. This is a God I need to follow. He's the basis of all good things in the earth. And if they're bad things, we humans, due to sin, have kind of messed it all up. If there are some who are, are here today watching, saying, okay, I think I want to commit my life to this God, to this Jesus, then just say a simple prayer with me. You can say it silently, and, but mean it with all your heart. That Jesus, I, I, I realize you created this earth, this universe, this cosmos. And I want to give my obedience to you and follow you. Because if I follow you, my world will be better. My life will be better. And so I just want to say, Lord, first an apology. Sorry that I have ignored you for a long time. But thank you that you hear my prayers. But please come in to my life. And I want to dedicate my life to you. And thank you for taking care of my sin, because that's the greatest disease and virus there is, and that you died to remove that ultimately from my life, that I could be with you forever. So Lord, I pray this prayer to you, and may I live a life of following you and learning how truly to be the desire and delight of your life. Hakuhia. In Christ's name. Amen. Well, if by chance you said that prayer, uh, wherever you are in Hawaii, on the mainland or somewhere in the world, uh, I want to just encourage you to hit that commitment button that says, I just committed my life to Christ. Sometimes it helps to make that decision. It's like writing your name on the dotted line and and if you could do that and, and, and hit the prayer button, you know, someone will come alongside of you and, and be with you as you launch your faith and, and pray with you. Uh, it's all confidential. Some of you, um, maybe you're already Christians and you recommitted your life. You can hit that button. Or, or some of you just want to pray with someone. There's something going on and you want healing or encouragement, something happening emotionally, physically, or spiritually. Hit that prayer button. And so just before I give the blessing, I just want to say that, hey, we have connect groups right after this service. If you want to hit that button and join a connect group, uh, then you'll be put in a small group of people, normally led by one of our staff members, and you can discuss the sermon uh, and all that's happening. And sometimes we feel that some of the uh, the truth of the gospel seeps in deeper when we get to talk, and, and also by talking with others, it's makavalu you hear other perspectives about the message. So please take advantage of that. If you've never done it before, maybe you might want to hit that button and be a part of that. But now, here's a blessing for everyone all over the world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you, His countenance be upon you, and may you know deep in your heart this wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May you know they're with you always, calling you to them. In Christ's name, 
Amen. The word is hakuhia. We hope and pray that in this and everything we do, God will be delighted. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we gather on Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11.11 for First Pres, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website, or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.